G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, as the debate over same-sex marriage is raging in Australia, it's good to get some insights from various people who are affected by what happens when marriage legislation changes. Dawn Stefanovich is in Australia. She's the author of a book called Out From Under, The Impact of Homosexual Parenting. She emanates from Canada and has been in Australia talking to audiences here in Australia sponsored by groups like the Australian Family Association and the newly formed Australian Marriage Alliance. And Dawn is joining us to tell us of her own experience as a child being raised in a family where both parents were same-sex. Dawn Stefanovich, welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Dawn, you've been talking to audiences here in Australia and largely, I guess, reflecting on your experience from Canada that's had legislation for same-sex marriage for a number of years now. Uh, What sort of reception have you received in Australia and have people been surprised by the things that you've been sharing? Yes, I've had a very positive response here in Australia and people's eyes are being opened to the losses that occur with same-sex marriage, uh, particularly losses to freedom of speech. Now, this issue of freedom of speech, for some people it's like, oh, well, I'm not sure whether I'm even worried about that. But it is something to worry about because it's a huge issue in a nation that uh, is a democratic nation and uh, founded on freedoms, as I guess Canada was too. But there is a sense in which you lose that freedom of speech when you have an elite that holds you to task over any element that's not quite as politically correct when laws change. Yes, absolutely. Um, We have, you know, we've seen in Canada coming down from the federal government through our media, which uses a special newspeak, into our workplaces through the human resource policies and into our schools, a you know basically it's it is a level of restriction around freedom of speech and every other area that we were guaranteed in our charter of rights and freedoms really it comes down to anything that is considered to be homophobic uh, and that includes any discussion about marriage and I suppose that includes people who talk about marriage from a Christian foundation. Uh, Those things are then outlawed and there's often prosecution that comes uh, from authorities and, and the government. Yes, now we have in Canada at the federal level we have under the criminal code hate crime legislation that protects under various categories, including sexual orientation. We also have human rights commissions and tribunals in Canada at the federal level, as well as in each of the provinces and territories, which police speech. Now, Dawn, tell me about your 
own upbringing because you were raised in a family with same-sex parents and you share your heartbeat in your book. The book is called Out From Under, The Impact of Homosexual Parenting. When you begin to share your story, are people often surprised by the way you are actually quite negative about having been brought up in a same-sex family? Well, how I look at it, our family structures are going to be have unique qualities about them. We could have uh, one or both biological parents present in our life. We can have uh, one or both biological parents with opposite or same-sex uh, partners. We can live in different residences and be influenced by different cultural values within the various living arrangements that we're growing up in. It's, it is a very unstable upbringing. Uh, in my particular case, beginning at 10 months old, my father brought into the home a partner to live in our home who was there for, uh, for about five, five and a half years. And my father and mother had uh, one ch- more child. By the time my twin brother and I were two and a half years in, of age, all sex between my biological parents ended. The only kind of sex that was going on in my home was of a same-sex nature. So, and my mother was used as a surrogate, basically, to have children. Mm-hmm. And that's why sex ended at that point. So let me ask you about being a little girl, being raised in a family where the sexual orientation of parents and I guess the whole atmosphere, the whole environment that you were raised in was somewhat different to, I guess, your childhood friends from school. What was, what was the environment like and how does it affect a little girl growing up in that environment? Well, I never remember my father ever being alone. He always had at least one male partner with him and living in our home. We had different visiting male partners as far back as I can remember throughout my whole upbringing. And he, even if he was partnered with one man at a time, he still had other sexual partners. In fact, both his partner and him Uh, could go out cruising separately or together for sex with other men. And they were also involved in various forms of sexuality, uh, express sexuality, uh, such as uh, group sex, sadomasochism, and were involved in some gay pornography. My father actually was involved in underground gay pornography and modeled for, you know, men's underwear So you're not saying, though, that you were present when those sorts of productions were being made, but later on into your adult years, you became aware that these things happened? Well, you you have to understand that I did witness sodomy. I did witness various types of sexual behavior. We did have uh, opportunity to see gay pornography and my father involved sexually with, with the different partners. And I was also taken into the developing cosmopolitan uh, Toronto gay subcultures uh, beginning around 1970. And there I, I saw men cruising with each other downtown in the gay village. I also was taken to Canada's first sex shop called Lovecraft and taken inside by my father 
to look at uh, the various paraphernalia and lotions and oils and so on that were available there. As well, I was taken to the um, Gay Nude Beach that was just off Toronto Island called Hanlon's Point. That was just some of my experiences in the subcultures growing up, and I would have been about eight years of age. And so by the time I'm nine, two of my father's partners had uh, committed suicide within weeks of each other uh, because my father did not choose them as the key partner. My father chose a man to live in our home who was about 18 years of age, and that man lived in our home for about four years from that point on. I was nine, so he lived in the home till I was about 13. Uh, my father also had various other residences uh, so that he could have, uh, you know, different sexual partners as well in Dawn, those places. What do you think of the image that some people have in their mind of a same-sex couple uh, living happily in a monogamous relationship, being ideal parents for their children. Uh, is that something that you're saying is a, a real myth that just doesn't happen uh, from is. your experience? Based on U.S. Census, they when they looked at the number of children growing up in um, GLBT-type households, they found that if you were to put in a room, this is population-based, 17 adult children, you would find that 16 out of the 17 adult children had grown up in what appeared to be a single-parented household where their parent brought in visiting sexual partners but were not listed as actual adults, um, you know, coupled in a relationship with their parent. One out of 17 of us is in a couple situation where we, our parent has at least one sexual partner living in the home that is recognized in the census. Now, what that means is that one out of 17 of us is still in a very unstable situation because the majority of our parental relationships don't last long. So when they did a study of 15,000 children uh, growing up in eight different family structures, they found 236 of us children that had grown up under the GLBT umbrella. And of that 236, only two of us had grown up from zero to age 18 with the same biological parent and same-sex uh, same partner in a relationship with our biological parent. And so 234 of us had grown up in various situations that were not monogamous, that were not stable. And uh, so it has been very, very difficult for the majority of us children that have grown up under the GLBT umbrella. Dawn, stay with us. We'll continue our conversation in just a short while. Dawn Stavanovich, a Canadian author visiting Australia. Her book is called Out From Under, The Impact of Homosexual Parenting. Uh, there are some disturbing things we're hearing. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments.
We're taking some time today to talk through issues of children that are a part of same-sex parented families. Dawn Stavanovich is a Canadian author. She's been visiting Australia. Her book is called Out From Under, The Impact of Homosexual Parenting. Dawn, in our last segment, you were sharing some things that would have, for some listeners, perhaps been quite disturbing. The idea that there isn't stability, the way that the same-sex lobby in Australia likes to uh, promote uh, homosexual parenting and families. The idea of stability is something that really you're saying uh, virtually is non-existent in Canada. Yes. Yes. I mean, not just in Canada. For any of us, no matter where we are living in the world, we are in a very difficult spot because we are dependents growing up in this situation. We don't have a voice. We're very afraid of hurting the feelings of our parent, who we love very much. And we care about and often love our parents' partners. However, we don't want to risk rocking the boat. We don't want to hurt their feelings. And we, so we grow up very tolerant, very compassionate, very understanding, with a very broad understanding of sexuality and gender identity. At the same time, it creates for us a fair bit of sexuality and gender identity confusion. And this bears out even in the research where about 30% of us will self-identify as second generation. And uh, so we are very challenged in a number of ways. In, In my situation in particular, I realized that there had been a rejection of my female gender by about age three, even though I didn't have the words to express what my feelings were. And what I I can tell you today is this, because I saw my father only loving and valuing and seeing as important the male gender, I felt rejection towards the female gender. I did not see my father loving woman, so I couldn't receive love into my own psyche in that situation. And so at three years of age, I actually unconsciously turned away from my father and began to look for affirmation elsewhere from another father figure. By the time I'm 12 years of age, I'm reaching out to different boyfriends looking for that affirmation that I didn't get from my own father. Even though my father is in my life, he has not affirmed me as a little girl growing up in my femininity or in my womanhood, because he cannot, because he's not loving woman. I'm not seeing him loving and valuing woman. My very psyche inside, my emotions, my spirit, my will inside is so damaged. It is a total rejection of myself as a little girl growing up in this situation. It's extremely painful. And today I realize the importance of why it's just so important that man loves woman, that woman loves man. Because as children growing up, our very identity is secured in the loving relationship we see between husband and wife, between our father and our mother. And that no matter how good our parent and their same-sex partners are at parenting and caregiving, they can never replace the natural biological parent that we're missing 
or that is not being loved. We cannot ever uh, equate a substitute for the real thing. Even though I saw my father's partners living out some level of pseudo-gender roles that seemed more uh, feminine, I never received that, you know, myself as the ideal. I knew deep, deep down that I, as a child, needed to see both man and woman equal in marriage. Don, you're sharing something very important when we talk about the generational nature of how perhaps sexuality passes on to children. There is a confusion and a movement towards promiscuity and those things happening from younger years. Is it the same for boys as girls, you think? Because you've had contact with so many people who've been in the same boat that you have, the same family-style unit that you have, male and female, I assume. Yes. Um, Well, really, you don't grow up expecting to get married and have children when you grow up in this situation. It's a very different type of relationship based on sexuality. And they may call it love, but I look at it as it's the same loving the same. And there's something about complementary genders where you have male and female loving each other. And the fact that that is, that secures the identity of the child within that marriage relationship. And it provides the child with the very basic social model that we all need of how do you relate to your father and mother who are husband and wife as a a little girl? How does a son, as a little boy growing up, relate to his uh, father and mother in their relationship? And it's all those interrelationships. It's a very complex thing that happens, a very uh, basic level of society, and that's what the family unit is. And we have gone and redefined family to be all these different family structures and tried to create this false notion that they're all equal, when in fact you have the best outcomes for children coming out of intact biological married households, where it is just a father and mother who are married to each other for life. We as children require a great deal of stability growing up. It takes us about... 25 years for us to fully mature as human beings. So we require a great deal of stability long-term to over two and a half decades. But then, even as we have fully matured, even if our parents were to break up and go into other, whether they're opposite or same-sex relationships, we will be injured if our parents divorce because our bonds go much deeper than just sexual relationships. Dawn Stavanovich is our guest, Canadian author. She's been in Australia talking to audiences about her book, Out From Under, The Impact of Homosexual Parenting. Dawn, stay with us. We'll continue our conversation in just a short while. We're getting some great insights today from a person who was raised by same-sex parents. Dawn Stavanovich is a Canadian author. She's been visiting Australia. Her book is called Out From Under, The Impact of Homosexual Parenting. 
Uh, Dawn, as now and being an adult, uh, but raised in the circumstances that you were, uh, let me ask you about the tensions and the debates uh, as it might have gone on in Canada and as it is raging along in Australia over same-sex marriage. Usually you've got people coming from a, a defence of marriage, oftentimes coming from a Christian foundation, and there's a real hostility against those who would stand for a heterosexual parenting model and try to enforce that. From your perspective out of Canada and your experience there, what are your thoughts on how the battle and the hostility rage against those who actually want to stand for heterosexual parenting? Well, you know, the the challenge that we have, and this is coming from, you know, looking at, you know, our own personal experiences as children growing up in this environment and then looking at research and obviously having spoken to a number of other adult children myself, um, and the fact we've had same-sex marriage for now 10 years. It was legalized July 2005. What I can say to this is that children cannot justifiably be severed from their natural parentage and traded between unrelated adults. It just doesn't work. You know, children obviously have, we know when they come out of any other type of brokenness that they are going to struggle and have different difficulties because of it. But with um, same-sex marriage, what has happened? If I, you know, if I was to speak for the church in particular, we have, uh, say, of the 2% of people that would identify under the LGBT, GLBT umbrella, only a fraction of that 2% are a power elite that are pushing for same-sex marriage. And they have promised, you know, that, uh, you know, it will, it will not deprive anyone of any rights. Well, however, what happened in Canada in, uh, when same-sex marriage was legalized, natural parent, uh, that provision for natural parent was replaced across the board with gender-neutral legal parent in federal law. And this happened immediately when same-sex marriage was legalized. And so now all children have only legal parents as defined by the state, which means parental rights are and have been usurped by the government. We have a situation where we have activists that sit in on church services and are actually policing the speech of the pastors, of the priests, as they share in their sermons whether it's through uh, PowerPoint presentations or it's something they say that would hurt the feelings of the person, the activist who's sitting there listening. And if they find that something has been said, whether it's a scripture verse or a statement by the pastor, uh, they have threatened to go to the Human Rights Commissions and report that pastor to bring a charge against that pastor and church. So the pastors in Canada have become very politically correct and um, you know, there are obviously some bold ones who have taken risks and spoken the truth about man-woman marriage, but for the most part, our churches have become very silenced on this issue because the debate that's going on in Australia right now could not legally exist in Canada. Therefore, our pastors, for them to stand up and say that man-woman marriage is the best for children or that there are two genders, male and female, uh, 
or that being heterosexual is the best in in you know for for express sexuality within marriage those kinds of statements uh could put the pastor at risk of a human rights complaint Dawn, let me ask you about the wider ramifications and how they might have gone in Canada because when we talk about the possibility that same-sex marriage could be legislated in Australia, there are issues there and immediate effects as to the way schools need to function and the sorts of things that are communicated to children from their very youngest school years. What has happened in Canada with regards to schools? Well, you can, if you look at the impact of same-sex marriage on our schools, we've had anti-bullying and safe school policies come in to a number of our schools, and they also include gender-neutral language. So teaching our children um, how not to offend another person by using parent instead of mother or father, by using spouse or partner instead of husband and wife, and you know, even using a special pronoun instead of he or she. So the children are being schooled with gender-neutral language. The other thing under the anti-bullying safe school policy uh, happening in our schools is it's teaching the teachers and administrators to police speech, where the teachers and administrators take special sensitivity training. And then the curriculum that they present to the children is to teach the children how to police the speech of each other in the classroom and in the play yard. The difficulty with that is every time there's any kind of bullying, that has to be reported within 24 hours. It has to be written down in a report and provided to the principal of the school. And because of this, if you can imagine that in school, all speech is being policed, Again, not just by the teachers and the administrators. We're talking staff. We're talking the school counselors, therapists, the nurse, the psychologist, even the custodian. The bus driver has to police speech on the bus. So if there's any kind of bullying language, which could be considered, say, homophobic or bigoted, or somehow if a child says something that is that that marriage between a man and woman is best, and they're just speaking their their personal beliefs, uh, what they've been taught at home, or their political opinions, and that it doesn't fit with what the state is saying is right or lawful. That child uh, that will have to be reported as a bullying incident, and that will go to the principal. And we have something else quite interesting under our. Uh, education strategy, specifically in Ontario, Canada, where the human rights commissions, or what I would call hate tribunals, totally permeate and surround our education strategy for the province. So that means that our children are, um, their speech, if it's in conflict with the human rights commissions, with the hate tribunals, that the children could be investigated, which means that, again, because the parents are no longer considered natural biological parents, they are now uh, gender-neutral legal parents to make all parents and their sexual partners now equal under the law. 
it means that the state can now enter the child's home and do an investigation if they would like because that child's beliefs, values, political opinions are very different than what the state would recognize as lawful. So Big Brother is present in Canada. Big Brother would be present here in Australia and school teachers, school staff, even the bus driver is the agent of the authorities to report uh, any sort of activity that even promotes the idea of heterosexual uh, family relationships being considered to be uh, in any way superior. So, and we also have a term called school climate, which travels with the child. And parents would usually think, well, my child's at school. They're in a building on the land that's called school. And the policies stop there. No, that's not the case. Because the school climate travels with the child, it means that as at, wherever that child goes, whatever devices they're using, whether that's a laptop, smartphone, uh, cell phone, Uh, And whatever social networks that child enters into and is talking with other friends from school, that's included in the um, school climate. So the child brings home their smartphone, their laptop from school. They may be stating some language, making comments on a social network. Because of the school climate and the, the fact it's not limited to the school property and land, but travels with the child, even to the child's home, not just to the child's library, where the child may be doing research, child's home and also even the child's faith community, there is the potential for the police, uh, the policing of speech and all communication that that child has with his or her friends from school, which means that the anti-bullying legislation and the hate tribunals Uh, can have an effect on that child's speech and limit that child's speech. Dawn, let me ask you what you would say to listeners to our conversation today who might have been on the edge, uh, sitting on a fence, perhaps not taking one side or the other. Uh, This, I imagine, is a time that you would suggest uh, it's not time for fence-sitting, but actually stand up and to defend Uh, marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, What is your advice and your thoughts as you would project those uh, to listeners today about what they ought to be doing as this debate is going on in Australia today? Well, I would say that you have to understand that same-sex marriage is not just about love and equality. In fact, under same-sex marriage, you are made unequally protected under the law. Why? Because the terms sexual orientation and gender identity end up as protected categories under whether you call them the hate tribunals or the anti-discrimination tribunals. The policing of speech uh, fits very well with the same-sex marriage where you as a parent now have been moved from being the natural parent to now just the gender-neutral legal parent, and the state now has access to your children. You are only in a privileged place where the state has granted you the status as legal parent under same-sex marriage. Therefore, the state can revoke your parental status at any time if you are not in line with the state's laws. 
And we've had a situation with an Orthodox Jewish sect uh, called Lev Tahor sect, and many of their members, they were involved in a bitter custody battle with child protection services. They began leaving Chatham, Ontario for Guatemala in March 2014 to escape prosecution for their religious faith which conflicted with the province's guidelines for religious education. They were basically teaching according to the Torah and saying that, you know, their, their faith is at a much higher level than all the other world religions, whereas in the state's uh, curriculum for religion, you have to teach that all religions are equal, with nothing, no religion taking preeminence. So of the 200 sect members, Within this Jewish community, only half a dozen families remain in Chatham. And this gives you an example of what state interference into the area of your home looks like, where the state can go in and take custody of your children if what you believe and your values, your teachings are different than the state's. So it, it's something of great concern when the state can have access into your home to supervise you as a parent and to judge your suitability. Now, you know, you may think, well, it hasn't happened to us yet, but when they go after the smaller groups of uh, communities that may be uh, different members, they haven't assimilated with the rest of society, they start off with those weak links first, and then they come towards us. So we're watching that in Canada. We've already had homeschoolers face um, you know, family services at the door because uh, an investigation has been called. And this is what happens when you have a redefinition of marriage which redefines what parenting is and you lose your status as a natural parent. We are in a situation where every area from our government down into our workplaces, our media and our schools are un, all under the laws of the land. And we were originally guaranteed our rights and freedoms under our Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And we've seen those freedoms curtailed with the legalization of same-sex marriage. We were promised, this is what we were guaranteed, freedom of conscience and religion, freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication, freedom of peaceful assembly, and freedom of association. We have, as I mentioned about freedom of assembly, we don't have that anymore if we have activists sitting in on our church services and policing the speech of our pastors. For, in the area of freedom of association, we have uh, a diversity uh, group under the LGBT umbrella of lawyers, uh, this special association, and if you are a Canadian lawyer and you don't belong to this special LGBT diversity uh, lawyers association, you won't get work. And we've seen the wedding industry devastated through Human Rights Commission complaints and charges. We've seen that in every area of business, if you don't toe the line according to the law of the land in Canada under same-sex marriage, you will go bankrupt. You will face charges with the human rights commissions, the hate tribunals. So we don't even have freedom to assemble and talk about man-woman marriage, family, and sexuality. 
without making it a closed group where we have membership and registration and know everyone that's going to be coming. We can't have an open public forum uh, to discuss these issues um, because we risk fines. And in our churches and in our our not-for-profit institutions or not-for-profit organizations that do have charitable status, they're at risk of losing their charitable status if they speak against the laws of the land. Our media is restricted in Canada. We have the Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission, the CRTC. And our media will not air anything that's considered discriminatory because broadcasting licenses can be revoked and human rights bodies can charge fines and restrict future airings. That's what it's like under same-sex marriage in Canada, where our freedoms of speech, press, religion, and association have suffered greatly due to government pressure. And the debate that's going on right now in Australia around same-sex marriage could not legally exist in Canada today. And because of legal restrictions on speech, if you say or write anything considered homophobic, including by definition questioning same-sex marriage, you could face discipline termination of employment, or prosecution by the government. Our speech is policed. These are huge, huge challenges. And the things you're sharing today, uh, for many listeners, a huge revelation as to what may be ahead if there are those in our nation who succeed in having that law changed. In Canada, freedoms of speech, of press, of religion, of association, they have suffered uh, due to government pressure uh, where same-sex marriage was legislated just 10 years ago. Uh, Dawn Stavanovich, uh, Dawn, the name of your book, Out From Under, The Impact of Homosexual Parenting, uh, those some of these issues that you've been talking about, do you discuss these in your book? I don't. My, my story, Out From Under the Impact of Homosexual Parenting, is just the long version of my testimony. It tells you details of what it was like to grow up in my environment at a personal level. And uh, if people would like more about what I'm talking about, they could look up an article that was recently published on public discourse called A Warning from Canada by Don Stefanovich. And that is the edited version of uh, what I'm talking about. You know, part of what I've mentioned in this interview today, my, my concern is that Australians need to understand that this is not about equality and love. It creates a situation where you'll be unequally protected under the law and that special interest groups will have more protection than you. And if you can imagine this, that when you already have existing legal remedies and criminal protections against slander, defamation, threats, and assault that equally apply to everyone, are you willing to trade being equally protected under the law? Are you, are you willing to trade that over to same-sex marriage and be unequally protected in law, where hate crime-like policies using the terms sexual orientation and gender identity create unequal protections in law. So same-sex marriage is really genderless marriage. It means that children will be permanently deprived of at least one biological parent. 
We don't want another generation of stolen children who are denied access to their heritage and ancestry. You have to understand, children want to know and be raised in relationship with both their biological father and mother. Dawn, that article you talk about, it's called A Warning from Canada by Dawn Stefanovic. Simply Google that, and your book title is Out from Under the Impact of Homosexual Parenting. Dawn Stefanovic, uh, thank you so much for sharing these things with us today. It is a dire warning and one which ought to be heeded. Uh, Dawn, thanks so much for being part of it 2020. Thank you, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.